what do I want to be when I grow up? Isn't that a question that most of us have asked when we were kids, right? What do I want to be when I grow up? And some of you are still asking that, you know. Now, I remember when I was a young kid, I wanted to be, excuse me, uh, I wanted to be a paleontologist. I didn't even know what that word meant then, and so I wouldn't use the word paleontologist, but I would be uh, a guy who would find and dig for dinosaur bones. I thought that was the coolest thing, and I was thoroughly equipped because I had a picture book, okay, that showed me all the different dinosaurs, and that was me for a couple years of my childhood, and you know, but that same question looms through our whole youth and adolescence, you know, what am I going to be? What do I want to be when I grow up? A lot of people want to be professional athletes or or dancers or or movie stars um now i was like in middle school i started playing guitar and um and so naturally what did i want to become a rock star right i still haven't quite given up on that dream yet but um just i'm that's a joke um um (laughs) thank you um in high school uh i i kept having these feelings of uh, being led towards ministry, you know, I'll be honest, and, and what I would do is squelch that, you know, and kind of live off of my own direction a little bit, and, and um, it wasn't until I graduated high school where I decided I did want to do ministry, but there was one thing I was not going to do, and that was to be a preacher, okay, and so we'll see, um, we'll see how that worked out, but um, maybe I should have said, I, one thing I will not do is be a paleontologist. Yeah, maybe that. But you know, as kids, we all have hopes and dreams, don't we? Uh, of that thing or that the the person that we want to become. And, and what that question? What is it we that we will do with our life? Interestingly, you know, you can't get away from that, even as a, as a grown-up, because when you meet someone for the first time, usually it goes like this: Hey, what's your name? And then what's the second question? What do you do? And what do we mean by that? Like, what do you do? Well, I was eating a Kit Kat just a second ago. I mean, I guess that's what I do. But uh, um, like, what do you do? We ask, we want to know what's your vocation? What's your job? What, what do you do? And, uh, and so nothing inherently wrong with that question, but, uh, but it, it, is, it is an honest way to, um, uh, to connect with other people and to learn more about them but but perhaps a better question would be not what do you do but why do you do what you do now today uh we're kicking off this new series and and i'm excited about this series because what i'm about to say will explain why uh but i'm excited about this series uh called nine to five because now now chances are your work hours are aren't even nine to five, but nine to five is symbolic, okay, for what we do, whether, or whether you have a 40-hour-a-week job or more than that or maybe less than that or maybe you're retired or, or whatever, but whatever it is you do. Now, if you work a 40-hour work week, check this out, you spend about a quarter of your life working. It's rivaled only by the amount of time that you sleep. And that's only because sleeping doesn't take weekends off. Amen, right? But that's a lot of time. And that's why I'm excited about this series. Maybe you work even more than that. 
And then if you kind of, uh, uh, if you, maybe you're retired or, or maybe you work less, but what, whatever it is you do, that's what we're calling our nine to five. Now, if you think a typical day, you know, maybe you sleep somewhere between six and eight hours, you know, I don't know. Uh, the average person works for about eight hours a day, but then you add to that getting ready for work. How long does it take you to get ready? Now, I, I really don't want to know, but, but, you know, add in that time and um, then add in your commute. Some of you guys live close to your work. Some of you guys, man, you're stuck in traffic or you're driving across Hampton Roads. Um, uh, then you add your lunch break to that. Then you add your commute back home. Then you get home, you got all these other non-paying chores that you have to do, right? These other things that are working. And so at the end of the day, you're up to over 10 hours, right, of things that would be called work. And we're using our best energy and our most time, our best time for our jobs. Now, here's the catch. A lot of people don't even like their jobs. And statistically, that's a lot of us. It's a lot, I, I, I like my job, but most of the time. But uh, uh, <laughs> like, there's a reason why so many people get a case of the Mondays, right? Some of you guys are dreading tomorrow because it means a new week for you. Uh, or the phrase, I'm working for the weekend. It means, man, you're just getting through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday just so the weekend you can get those two precious two little days off and like, yeah, we need a paycheck, right? But according to one Gallup uh, worldwide poll, it says 85% of people across the globe are unhappy with their jobs. That, church, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. And it's one of the reasons why I'm excited about the series. We're going to spend a few weeks diving into making sense of all this work, all this stuff. Um, since we spend so much time, so much energy, we need to make sense of our work because you know didn't jesus tell us that we need to love the lord our god with all of our heart mind soul and strength and so we can't check out the thing that we do the most uh, of our week where we spend the most time and the most energy so today we're going to look at a biblical framework of work okay uh, uh and and then the next weeks are going to build on us so i want to encourage you guys to come on back and uh, invite some people with you maybe invite someone from your work how about that uh but here a uh, biblical framework of work you know uh, God created you. He created you for a relationship with him. And uh, an overwhelming uh, percentage of our relationship with him is found in our work. That's how God created it. Like we were created to work. And, and that and the work that God does in us, it gives us uh, he gives us is, is this work is a good gift that he gives us. So I want to go back, look at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, one will kind of build build uh, the framework from there. But Genesis one once is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God creates. OK, this this idea he fashioned he shapes, you know, I think of it like Play-Doh, uh, a kid with Play-Doh, if you're in my house, it's like me with Play-Doh, but you know, it's like fashioning, shaping, molding something into existence. It, that's like this image we have of God in the very beginning. He creates the heavens and the earth. From the beginning, God has been the one working, and he's the one, uh, and, that's, and that's the one of the common threads we see through the whole Bible, is that God continues 
to do that. And so God, he remains involved in his creation and he constantly invites his people, his creation into uh, his work. In Genesis 1, 26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our own likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky over the livestock and all the animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so we see that God, God gave this mission, this commission to, to his people to, to rule over. He gave them work, good work to do. Then Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man as Adam and, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. God created humanity with work in mind. Have you ever thought of it that way? Now, one of the marked differences between the creation story that we see of God in, in the Bible versus other creation myths that we see from antiquity is that God created us to enjoy a relationship with him and to work with him. Where a lot of the creation myths that you see... Uh, Man was created to be subservient workers, slave-like uh, for their God. And some of you may be thinking, that sounds a lot like my boss. But, but that's the difference between our God is that he created us with relationship and for, to work with him. Not only does God create us to enjoy work with him, he creates us as a reflection of his nature and his character. Because the Bible says that God creates us in his own image, in his own likeness. It's not saying we look like God. There's something else about us that's like God. It's our, it's our spirit. And, and, and part of that is we get to think and we get to love and we get to build and create. Those things are in the very likeness of God. You think our original position that God put us in was to uh, steward the earth as, as uh, caretakers over all creation, you know, uh, with creativity with loving care, with attention to detail, and with a collaborative effort of, of those people around us, and with a forethought that's modeled that, uh, from very creation, from God himself, our creator. Then the first task that God ever gave man was to name the animals. We see this in Genesis 2, 19 and 20. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. You know, that, that's a lot of work. There's a lot of animals. And, and God uh, tasked Adam uh, with this real job. It's, it's like, can you imagine after having your child... And then just uh, letting someone you met the day before name them. Would you do that? Let a stranger name your baby. But it's like God brings uh, people into this task to work alongside him in relationship with God. So check this. God created us with work in mind as a gift of meaningful and purposeful relationship with him. Like God created us with work in mind. And part of that is how we experience him. You know, ever since we broke away from God's plan, you see that in the next chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, where 
problems and our sin enters and and the picture of man is now one of being separated from god there's now barriers in place and at this point humanity was no longer living just under the blessing of god but also under the curse of sin so check this in genesis chapter 3 God uh, says to Adam, says to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you will return man that sounds awesome doesn't it like you're going to be born you're going to work your butt off it's going to be hard and you're going to die right and that's part of the curse that's part of the curse. Now, this is why it seems like having a job is such a blessing and a curse, because God created us uh, to work. But rarely, rarely, rarely is our work ever easy. So what originally started off as a gift now often feels like a punishment. What originally was a blessing is now intermingled with a curse. But work itself is a gift. And all the junk that kind of comes with it, you know, is broken humanity. That's, that's part of this curse. And now it's tempting for us to think that work itself, okay, our jobs, whatever it is you do, that our job is the gift giver. You know, after all, um, we need a paycheck, right? And whether we hate our jobs, whether we take pride in our jobs, but when things are difficult, well, we don't feel the the respect that we feel we deserve or the dignity we desire, we don't get the result or see the fruit that we want to see from our job. It seems like work itself is the problem, but it's not. I think one of the biggest problems with our work is having the lack of meaning or lack of purpose in what you do. Now, the curse is wrapped up in, in us. It's, the curse is wrapped up in us not finding our purpose in, in whatever it is we do. And that's what sin's all about. Work was God's plan, and work was part of paradise before sin, okay? So we need to recapture the meaning that God always intended to help us distinguish the blessing from the curse. So that question, what do you do? What do you do? The better question, why do you do what you do? When we say what we do, maybe sometimes we say it's impress people or uh, with, with the answer, but why we do what we do uh, is the important question that we each need to answer in our hearts. Uh, there's this quote by Timothy Keller in this book, Every Good Endeavor, which is about work. And, and he's, he says, Work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Whatever it is you do, man, you cut hair. You're in the military. You build ships. You paint. 
you build things or fix things or run things. What, what, you take care of kids. Like whatever it is you do. Like we're, we're rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that helps. That helps build the world in general and people in particular to help them thrive and to help them flourish. What you do and why you do it is, in, is a partnership with God. To help people in a positive way. You know, now here's the thing. Not any, not just any work accomplishes this task. You know, there are certainly some things that are not a godly stewardship of our task, of our tasks. Like, for example, um, you're never going to be able to connect um, running a meth lab. Okay. With God's purposes. All right. Um, That will never be a meaningful expression of work and worship in your life. But however. There is no meaningful expression of God's gift of work that is insignificant for its position in God's kingdom. And so whether you're blue collar or white collar or homemaker or executive or student or military, retired, minimum wage, shipbuilder, child care provider, whatever it is. The way we help people thrive and flourish is by pointing them to the one who created us to know him. The way in which we use the abilities and gifts God has given us and cultivate our relationships within the work, it points others and us to a higher purpose and meaning for our effort. Now, some of you guys know uh, that I love Chick-fil-A. You know that, right? Um, Anybody want to go for lunch today? That's messed up. You know, I enjoy their food. Look, I'll be honest, I enjoy their food. My kids enjoy their food. It's a win-win. Now, even if Popeye's did have a better chicken sandwich, which they don't, I would still go to Chick-fil-A. Do you know why? Because their food's good. For the most part, they're friendly. They're kind. They're kind. They're well treated. They they treat you well. And when I say thank you, which I do a lot, when I say thank you, I'm always returned with a my pleasure, which every time it shocks me, and it's much better than be, being returned with a mm-hmm, <laughs> right? It's much better than being returned with with something like that. Now you think I might well like as a pastor, I would like Chick Fil A because I enjoy hearing the instrumental Christian music, but I don't. You might think I like because it's the so called Christian chicken, but that's not it. It's because how I'm treated and how uh, they they run things. And see, look, with the right understanding and commitment, our work can make an important impact in this world. Regardless of what you do. So if you're here today and you're not happy with your job or you're kind of feeling feeling stuck in a career path or or you're retired and 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 you're um, filling your time with well with whatever you want to do those things that you do you through your work can make an important impact in this world. And even though. The, orig- the beginning, the original design of work is messed up for us now. We're experiencing the blessing and the curse. Man, God is still working to redeem all those things broken by the effects of sin. And that's through the power of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus. He's redeeming the effects of the curse. But here we are today. We're still grinding nine to five. 
We're still grinding. And this is the journey that we're all going to be on over the next few weeks as we talk about our work and as we, uh, we're going to look at some other key things that will help us honor God in all things we do. But I want to um, kind of wrap up with this uh, scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, and uh, 50, verse 58. It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not empty. It's not futile. It's not, it's not without a gift. And what Paul here is talking about, this work in the Lord, is that it's, uh, he's specifically talking about Christian ministry. But check this. For the Christ follower, if, if you are a Christ follower, there is not a big distinction between your work and Christian ministry. The work that God gives us is a good gift. And it's meant to help us love and to serve him with meaning and with purpose. And God always intended for the relationship between work and provision. He always uh, intended for us to, to, to receive uh, for our work. But it's never always and only just about a paycheck. You know, I love Sundays. Anyone else? Yeah, but for me, it's not Sunday fun day. Today is it's my most busy and stressful day of the whole week, usually. But I love Sunday because we get to gather as a church. Like we get to gather as a body along with uh, churches all over our whole world. We gather to celebrate uh, Jesus, to, to remember and to worship, to be challenged, to encourage one another, to love one another. But here's the thing about Sundays. Sundays for us are meant to change the way that we live out Mondays. And Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. Have you ever approached your job or your nine to five or wh whatever hours, whatever it is you do? Have you ever approached it as as if you are partnering partnering with God? Because that's a question that we all need to wrestle with, whatever it is you do. Have you ever approached your work, whatever it is you do, as if you are partnering with God? If you've ever, um, if you've never done this before, I want to encourage you this week to do this. Um, maybe carve out a little bit of time. Don't watch one Netflix show this week. Um, but ask yourself this question. Why do I do what I do? We all know what we do. But do you know why you do what you do? Because God is calling you to partner with him. And obviously, we, we do our jobs for paychecks. We got to pay the bills, right? But, but that is a reason. But I want you to look beyond that for this and ask yourself, why do I do what I do? And work through that from an understanding that work reflects the character of God. And what you may find is that what you're doing now is even more meaningful than you currently believe that it is. Church, we're workers with God and his purpose for all of creation. And we, when we approach work with that driving us, work can be a blessing to us and can be a blessing to those around us.